Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hi, Adi. Hi, so, Tej. firstly, thank you so much for being on the Tej Talks Property Podcast. Um, is this your first podcast? Yeah, first time. Oh, fantastic. Well, this is my second recording. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, I'd, I'd love to understand what your story was pre-property. I think I know it, and fun, I think I know it through a kind of funny way, but sort of tell the listeners what you were doing with your life beforehand. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite interesting because it's a very similar background to yourself. So, um, I, well, firstly, going back to the start, I graduated in um, uh, computer science back in 2009. Um, after that, I got into a sales job in software, so I've always been quite business-minded and into interested in in sales uh, so that was sort of a natural role for me to fall into um, did that for about a year year and a half and then I um, was looking for something with a bit more progression a bit more opportunity to uh, to grow and expand so um, I kind of fell into recruitment really um, saw, saw saw the the, the, the flash advert saying earn, <laughs> earn six figures in uh, 10 months and all of this yeah uh, Gucci prom- shoes Prom- suit in your first year that's yeah. it promise in the world um so yeah fell into fell into that started off as a trainee um and uh, worked for uh, worked for a, a, a company for about 18 months uh, during that time i worked my way up to senior consultant level so that was going really well uh, and i kind of thought to myself if i can do this for someone else i can do it, um i can do it for myself as well so uh, i set up my own uh, recruitment business working for myself um and have been running that for about five six years um and uh yeah that's kind of led us pretty much to to where we are now so your own recruitment business which one was that because i remember when i tried to headhunt you you were in bristol so was that your own business then uh yeah you tried to headhunt me a few times (laughs) (laughs) so um just a bit bit of backstory on that ted has um hounded me a few times on linkedin (laughs) trying to uh, politely yeah (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah, I was working in Bristol for a company called Timothy James Consulting. Um, so uh, that that was a f- the the first company that I worked for, um, and then I set up my own company. That that um, that company I called Marcus Hale Consulting. Uh, so it, okay. it, it it may have looked like it wasn't just me. Yeah, um, it did. Yeah, and that was the reasoning for having the name as it was. Uh, um, so it wouldn't just look like um, you know hardy recruitment limited. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, because I, I didn't know it was, because I thought, oh, this is a company, I never heard of them, but it's a company, so that's, you did a good job, mate, you did a good job. Yeah, fooled <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So then how, like, so recruitment is a field where, as many people tell me, you can make so much money, it's easy to do, you know, why do you want to leave recruitment for property, why do you want to do all this other stuff, you know, recruitment's so easy. What was your reason for leaving recruitment, getting into property, um, and now doing it full time? Yeah, I mean, um, recruitment's great. Um, I mean, I've always had an interest in property. I'll go into that in, in a second. Um, but uh, I, I just thought, thought thought to myself, can I see myself doing this in 10 years? Um, the only way really for me to... Um, I mean, working for myself, it was just me. So every month you start off with a clean slate and you have to perform, you have to get the deals in. Otherwise, you don't earn any, any money. So it's um it's it's constant it's the same thing every month 
Um, whereas what I want to do is build up more of um, more of a you know passive type of income. So property was a natural way for me to um, me to do that. Um, property is something that I've always had a passion for from a young age. Um, so I, I decided that's what I wanted to look at doing more of um, and, and, and use that to, to create that income. Okay. And then I know you said you've had a passion in it from a young age, but what, what kind of was the moment or what led you to discover what property can do for you, like now as an adult? So um, I, I used to, when, when I was young, like uh, probably uh, like 10, 11 years old, we used to have um, the, the local paper delivered to our area. It used to have property pages in it. Mm-hmm. I'd always remember flicking through and looking at all the, probably just probably just uh, attracted by the pictures of the houses and whatnot. <laughs> but, you know, I always remember looking through them and, and things. And actually at the age of, I think I was 12 at the time, I managed to convince my um, parents to buy their first buy-to-let. Wow. Um, so I found I found I saw it in the paper and said you know you should go for this. I don't I can't remember now why. Uh, it's probably just um, pot luck really. Did um, you buy a BMV? Was it a wreck? Was it everything? No, you it, it wasn't. It was just um, it was just a small studio flat um, that rented relatively easy. It was really cheap to buy. I think it was hmm. uh, less than thirty thousand or something back. Uh, Whereabouts was this? In in Telford. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this was back yeah two thousand year two thousand I think some somewhere around then. So um, that. You know, and then from from then, you know, I've, I've always had it in my mind that that's what I would do once I, yeah, once I'm in a position to do that. So, recruitment was great in that it helped me to um, save up a lot of money uh, and uh, build up some assets. So um, that allowed me to then start looking at getting buy to lets myself and um, you know getting on the property ladder. Wow! And so, talk us through your first. So tell us about your first deal or bunch of deals. Sure. So uh, my first couple of buy-to-lets were quite dull deals, actually. Nothing special about them. Uh, they didn't really need any work or there wasn't much um, scope to add uh, value or development as such. But the, the uh, I was attracted by the yields more than anything. So as an example, the first one I think was purchase price 75000 um, and that one rented out uh, is either four seven five or four nine five, um, so you know reasonable reasonable yield. So got a couple of those, and then um, more recently, I've looked to get into a more of a serious project. So um, something where there's more development potential, um, and I can really add value to it, um, and that kind of links in with me wanting to replace my uh, recruitment income as well. So I started looking at auctions, started looking online for things that. Um, you know, need modernization and so on. So I looked at quite a few um, single properties that maybe needed refurbishment. Um, I looked at uh, various auction lots. So in total, I think I attended maybe about five auctions. Okay. Um, first, first two that I went to, I was I didn't really look at any of the properties. I just went to see what happens um, and just get a feel for the for, for the event. Um, and then I started looking at properties um, and going into auctions majority of them if not all of them were going way over uh what i was prepared to pay for them um which i think is something that um you know everyone finds uh, in auctions recently it's mm-hmm. uh, the prices are going very high so i uh, i spent quite a bit of time looking at things and, and 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 deals not coming through for whatever reason um and then um beginning of uh, sorry end of 2016 or beginning of 2017 um, I came across, it was an old uh, derelict chapel um, in the West Midlands. Um, 
went to look at it uh it was yeah it, the place was a it was a state but it was big so i kind of did rough uh, calculations in my head at the time and thought you know i'll probably get seven or eight flats in here um and and thought that looked interesting so then that was coming up for auction uh, and i started to make some inquiries as to um you know what i could actually get in there so i I got in touch with an architect who had experience in the area and with similar properties he uh he went and had a look himself um got some good info from from that um and also got an idea from speaking to various people of what my uh, refurbishment or build cost would likely to be um so from that i had an idea of what i would bid up to in that auction um and in the end managed to uh, buy that at uh, i think it was 132,000 pounds wow sounds like a pretty good bargain for what you're getting in a way i know it's derelict but you're getting a lot of land and a lot of space right you are getting yeah you're getting a lot of space uh, but equally it was a very um tired building and these buildings they can uh, cost a lot of money to to um to convert so so yeah i kind of went into the deep end a little bit you know i was looking for looking for a meaty project and um i ended up with quite a big one so in D- and where was it in the west Midlands? So that was in dudley ah okay and so you bought it for 130k yeah thirty. what were your actual refurb costs so well with that one actually the, the first step was to get the planning permission mm-hmm. so uh i expected you know the council would say they come back in i think eight weeks was their was their target time frame um turned out that planning process took 10 months uh, so <laughs> as it often does yeah right? i mean yeah. usually i think what i found is if they say eight weeks replace that replace the weeks with months and you won't be too far off <laughs> good tip there, uh, yeah. yeah it always takes a lot longer than you expect but in the end we got planning permission for nine flats so that was quite good uh, so six of those i think were one bed three two beds um and um yeah i had um i had contractors come in and quote on the works um i uh, had finance lined up everything sort of in place so that was with uh, just traditional development finance um so everything was kind of set for us to start the works and then at the 11th hour someone made an offer for the building as it stands uh, mm-hmm. so that was actually one of the builders um oh. wanted to, wanted it for himself so he made me a very attractive offer which um was too um yeah, probably too good to turn down really so decided to go with that and release the money mm. so I can use on another project and really de-risk it um, for myself. Um, so it was a quicker quicker turnaround and still got a decent return from it. Wow. And, and so what made you, because, and it's probably, you know, it is a really good deal to turn down. I think you told me the figure another time. But if you'd developed it and rented it out or sold it when it was completed, it would be worth a lot more, right? Yeah, I think um, I, I I think the figures are around GD. It's hard to say what the what the uh, GDV would have been for sure until the units are sold, and it's also hard to know exactly what your build cost is going to be because mm. we had to have a healthy contingency. I think a contingency was around about twenty percent. Wow. Um, and you know, it you don't know how much of that you'll use, or, or even if you might even go over. So. Um, potential you know, potential profit would, may have been uh, say one hundred and fifty somewhere around there possibly even 200 okay um uh, the actual profit i made from from just the uh, the planning uplift was nearer the 100k mark pretty good for for a form filling right yeah a bit more than a form filling but <laughs> yeah uh but the other thing to factor in with developments as well is the time um, mm. element so it would have taken us at least another year um to get from start to finish um to actually okay. completing on the sold unit so um, from that perspective, it, it just made sense to, um, to to take the money. 
Yeah, no, the profit sounds close enough to what it would have been after development, so save the headache, right? And, Absolutely, and save the, the headache um, and um, yeah, re- and pump it into another project now. And so how did you finance the purchase of this chapel? Uh, so I was in a fortunate position where I was able to finance it myself, um, oh, just okay. through through savings. Um, so there was no holding cost for those 10 months? There was no holding cost, yeah. Okay, I was going so, to say that could I mean, be quite expensive. Yeah, there's no holding cost, but it's... Yeah, the other thing to consider is the um, the opportunity cost. So yeah. that money could have been earning interest somewhere else. Um, it could have been in another mm. in another building that could have been going up in value. So yeah. um, I mean, overall, still done great out of it. But um, it's uh, it's good it's it's good just to remember that um, there is always an opportunity cost for having yeah. money tied in a project, especially while you're you know waiting ten months for the for the planning to go through. That's good. That's your second tip. I've got so far. That's good. Yeah, I'd add uh, switch weeks for Glad I'm adding value. <laughs> you are adding value. Um, so, go back to go back to your first kind of more dull buy to lets you did. How were they financed? Was it other people's money? Was it your money? Was it bridging? Was it? No, that was just a straightforward mortgage. So I, I just saved the deposits on that um, and just used my own money. I've always used my own money up until now, mm. um, until I've now learned that um, <laughs> you don't have to use your own money. So that's the plan with the next one is to better leverage um, my own money rather than spending it, saving it, and then spending yeah. it again. And how do you plan, because this is, this is a question that a lot of people have, and I myself had it and still have it when we're kind of new to property. Like, how are you going to go about getting investors for your deals? Like, what's your kind of process or strategy or thoughts on it? Um, there's a number of ways that uh, deals can be financed. So um, the most straightforward um way I suppose is use some of your own money but then get development finance um, which works in a you know I suppose similar in in terms of like a mortgage Um, it's just a different type of structure to the uh, to the finance and different costs attached to it but um, so I mean that's uh, that's one way Uh, the other way to to get investors really is I think it's all about networking um, and, and building that building that up over time. It's not about just going to one networking event and thinking that you're going to come out of it with a, you know, with with, with someone with an investor who's got a pot of pot of cash that they're going to throw you away. Uh, it's about building that over time, building trust, um, and building your experience and learnings as well. Absolutely. So it's a continual thing where you're always building your network. You never stop doing that, um, no matter what stage. Uh, of your journey you're at and so now you're full-time in property what is on the horizon for you what are you doing next any interesting projects lined up any strategy changes like what direction you're heading in sure so i've got um two two strategies really that i'm looking at so one is um where i'm looking to um increase increase my income coming in mm-hmm. so uh they call it passive income i'm not sure how passive it <laughs> you know it's never always completely passive is it but yeah. um yes yeah, so i'm using um mainly my own money uh to, to be able to do that so i'm looking at um either single lets um potentially looking at service accommodation as well to um to, to build that up um, so that's one side of it. The other side is the um, the larger developments. So the thing with larger developments is they take time for you to get your money in. Um, and although it can be large sums of money that you can make, it can take months, even years for that to come in. So um, that's the that's the second part of it where I'm looking at different sites. So I've got a few um, interesting ones on the horizon at the moment where I'm in talks with landowners, um, some of them direct to, to, to vendor and exclusive as well. So, wow. um, uh, and you know, in terms of sizes, 
I suppose the biggest one I'm looking at or in talks with is uh, up to say 20, 25 acres. So quite a substantial wow. um, development potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anything in between uh, and, and below that as well. So okay. um, yeah, I think just focusing on those two strategies to kind of work hand in hand in hand with each other. And what is it about land that attracts you to it? I quite like the idea of um, creating something from nothing uh, or turning something that's uh, not of, uh, you know, not of use at the moment into something that can be, you know, someone's home. Um, I think that's quite nice. Uh, It'd be nice to see it from start to finish and actually, you know, be able to step back at the end of it and say yes you know I was involved in uh, in making that happen so mm. that's it's not it's not always about it's not always about the I mean, the returns have to hit a certain limit for it to be uh, worthwhile um, and that's you know that's critical but um, equally there is other satisfaction that comes from it apart from just um, just the money uh, and I think there has to be mm. um, it can't just always be about the money and so when it comes to land, am I right in saying that there are 101 things to think about from the sewage to getting electricity pipes into internet? Like, do you have to think about every single detail that, you know, normal buy-to-let uh, investors or normal homeowners would never even consider? Yeah, there are a lot of um, a lot of things to consider. Um, and it's uh, something that I'm learning all the time as well. Um, there'll always be things that, um, you know, n- no two pieces of land are the same. Um, Everything every site is different and and there's no sites out there that are perfect um or or not that i've come across anyway um so yeah there's always something that um you know things that you'll come across but it's all about building that into uh into your numbers um numbers are are, are critical with land developments it's um it's you know whatever numbers you input into your um calculator if if those are inaccurate then your output's going to be inaccurate so it's all about having the 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 correct numbers from from day one um to make sure that the deal does stack up okay very interesting and i wanted to kind of return to something you said so your first few buy to lets were kind of standard just you know buy to lets when it comes to them being passive income and kind of managing it how are you managing it are you using agents are you doing it yourself like how passive actually is passive income because it sold as the dream of sitting back on a beach doing nothing but from your perspective as a kind of landlord and owner how how passive is it yeah it's um with 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 mine i'm uh, managing them myself uh, but i think once you get over a certain number of units then it is quite important to probably outsource that um because it can be time consu- uh, time consuming um at certain points so you know if tenants are coming and going or some you know some issues come up um but i've been quite fortunate with mine at the moment so um, yeah, it's never it's never fully passive. Um, you know, you always have to expect uh, expect the odd phone call or text message at the odd time uh, to say you know my board is broke or whatever it might be. So um, yeah, that's why I say there's uh, especially in buy to lets, um, it's never fully passive. Even if you've got an agent managing for, managing it for you, there will be some uh, time that you have to put in. Um, I haven't got much experience of having agents managing, mm-hmm. um, so I can't. Um, you know, say you know, speak from experience on that, but uh, I think you have to be prepared to put some time in um, yeah. into it. But um, so, in terms of the time you have to put in versus the income you get out of it, would you say is still kind of the most passive asset you could have? You know, comparing the passivity to the income you get from it, and the capital growth happens over time. Um, 
Comparing it to, to what? Sort of any investments? Yeah, any investment. Stocks, um, people investing in classic cars, whatever it is. Do you think that... Because property is hailed as that kind of the best asset class. But in your opinion, and from your experience of these properties, do you think the amount of time you've put in is is equal to a big return? Is it, is it like an hour a week and then you get your rent a month and it's, it's happy days or...? Yeah, I think the returns are, are, are good. Otherwise, um, you know, I wouldn't be doing it and, uh, and you know, every other landlord wouldn't be doing it. But um, it's not, uh, I don't think it's as, what you know, what it used to be in terms of, um, you know, the, the ease of it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of seen as a, as a go-to for everyone, wasn't it? And it still is to an extent, but with, um, with various new rules and things coming in at the moment um, and increasing competition as well I think it's important to offer a good product and I think that's what landlords often forget is that it is actually a product that you're offering at the end of the day it's not just um, you know giving someone a, a house saying there you go um, it's about presenting it in the right way so yeah um, so I think it is important to be involved um, and be uh, not necessarily hands-on but you know know exactly what's going on um, and being able to to, to to offer that to uh, to your tenants and also yeah. you know the better the the better condition your properties are in the the higher rents you'll be able to to charge for them at the end of the day so um mm. you know you, you can be you can be as hands off as you want to and as uh, and have it as passive as you want to as well but it's important to put in the time as and when um, as and when you need to i think there are other investments out there um, i know you can yeah, you can do a sort of crowdfunding and things like that, where you put the money in, and you, yeah, you are pretty much hands off until uh, until the loan uh, is repaid, mm-hmm. and yeah, you can get good returns from that as well. Uh, you know, I know some some websites offer like sort of eight percent. So yeah, um, you know, that's that is pretty much as passive as it gets. Uh, I wouldn't say pa- properties as um, you know the most passive thing um, thing out there, but you know, there, there are other advantages to. Uh, to property as yeah. well as you know capital growth and, and and all the rest of it absolutely you know it's good to hear a kind of really realistic view on it from someone who's kind of experienced different aspects of property um speaking of crowdfunding i think you know from what i understand some of them have got a hundred percent like return rates on money um i use like property moose and land bay and a few others and they offer sort of eight to twelve percent over a year and I've, I've been paid out on some of them and i've literally pressed the button three times and like i've got ten percent so you know, it, it really can work and you could have a lot of compound interest over the years from these websites. So maybe there's something that people are missing out on. Definitely. I, <laughs> funnily enough, this morning, actually, I invested in a, a property project on one of the um, crowdfunding websites. Okay. So um, I've got a little fund that I'm just putting away and letting it, letting it grow. So, um, and yeah, they, I think they've got a 100% track, 100% track record of paybacks and they have first charge on the property as well. So you know, the risk is uh, quite well managed. It is, and, yeah. to, and to get the kind of same return you'd get with all the headache of owning it yourself, I mean, I think there's something to explore here. It's not for, a bad alternative, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you're missing the capital growth, but the the, the, the um, yields are definitely there. Definitely, definitely. Really interesting. Cool. Um, so, Hadi, what, what are your thoughts on the property market in your area? I mean, I guess we could say your area is Telford, Birmingham, the West Midlands. Um, it's quite a broad question, so answer it with whatever focus or no focus you want. I think the market's quite hot at the moment, um, particularly Birmingham way. Um, it's uh, yeah, prices are going going up. I think there is some cause for caution, maybe. Um, you know, there is talk of a potential dip around the corner, 
Um, but it's all about being realistic with your numbers um, and having sufficient contingency. So not, you know, not not pushing your numbers to the limit. And, and if you build that in, then even if there is a dip, you should um, you should be okay. So um, yeah, it comes back to having the right numbers to start with um, to to not get into trouble uh, later down the line. Fair enough. So the last set of questions are the three by three quickfire round. Are you ready for these, honey? Go for it. Yeah. Perfect. So what are the three biggest mistakes that you've made in your property journey? So first one I'd say is thinking too small uh, and maybe limiting myself and not thinking that I can go on for the big projects. Uh, number two, possibly naivety. Um, so not having all the facts before going ahead with certain decisions. Uh, and number three, I'd say is not starting uh, early enough. Okay. How old are you? 30. Okay. You got plenty of time. Yeah. Of time. <laughs> <laughs> nice to okay. have more. Of course. So, and then your top three tips for new people in property. So first tip is do your research and learning. So um, read up as much as you can about your chosen strategy before putting your own money into a project. Uh, number two would be, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, said a lot, your network is your net worth and um, it's, uh, it's very true. So uh, build that up over time. Don't expect for it to happen overnight. And uh, number three is don't try and do everything yourself. So, um, yeah, you know, don't be there with your uh, hammer and screwdriver doing everything <laughs> yourself. Um, outsource and, um, and that'll allow you to scale up quicker. Awesome. Great tips. And then finally, what are your top three goals for the future? That could be a year, could be five, could be ten. So most immediate one is to build up um, sufficient uh, regular income through buy-to-lets and um, maybe serviced accommodation. Uh, second one is to uh, is the next major development. So to start um, start the next major development, uh, minimum ten uh, units, I think, uh, within the next um, yeah within the next twelve months. Um, and the third one, which is a long term goal, is um, I've always wanted to buy a Ferrari F forty. So that's my dream car. So uh, what's the purchase price on that? Uh, so at the moment, uh, the price has gone up. I think they're around about eight hundred thousand. So a uh, long way to go. Wow. Okay. I thought you were going to say something like 200, but okay, cool. Fine. That's <laughs> yeah. Aim, uh, yeah. Aim big. Aim definitely aim big. That's, that's 10 X in your goals. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, look, Hadi, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Um, if people want to get a hold of you to invest with you or to, to speak to you or to see what you're working on, what's the best way to do it? I'm on Facebook. Uh, so you can search, um, under my name, which is Hardy Patwell. So that's H A R D W E P A T W. Al, um, I think the link will be in the in the show notes as well. Um, you can also email me on hardeep at atwell developments. So that's all one word: atwal developments.co.uk. Um, and yeah, please do get in touch. I'm always happy to happy to speak to people. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.